0: This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Kevin Bessler. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about vaccination, ethics reform, teachers' pay, heating bills, and nursing home reforms. And we'll get commentary from Chris Krug and Dan McCaleb about some of the issues affecting Illinois this week. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Kevin Bessler.
1: Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at TheCenterSquare.com the country's fastest-growing nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com, thecentersquare.com.
0: This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Kevin Bessler. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Governor Pritzker is working to fix a loophole in the Healthcare Right of Conscious Act that allows people to forego vaccination due to religious reasons. Andrew Hensel has the story.
2: Amari Kelfena of the ACLU said that people are taking this law and misusing it to avoid vaccinations during a health crisis. This
0: is taking a law out of the context in which it was passed and out of the context of what it was intended to do and using it very broadly to try to evade public health measures in a pandemic.
2: Clavetta said that while this law does give some exemptions, those exemptions should not overrule the governor.
0: And it was never meant to provide an exemption from the governor's orders regarding public health in a public health crisis like we have now.
2: Illinois law currently requires all health care workers to be vaccinated against COVID-19. I'm Andrew Hensel.
0: Illinois now has legislative ethics reforms on the books, but are they enough? The legislation includes a ban on lawmakers from becoming lobbyists in the first six months after they leave office, increased financial transparency from elected officials, and the legislative inspector general has independent authority in investigations within government after a complaint has been filed. Amy Cordy, Vice President of Policy for the Illinois Policy Institute, says Illinoisans need to tell their lawmakers more needs to be done.
2: Public pressure has resulted in the legislature having to address this issue, and I
1: think the public really needs to keep it up so that lawmakers' feet are held to the fire and
0: they continue to make meaningful reforms that are needed. Cordy says the bill is a start to delivering on the basic anti-corruption measures the people of Illinois deserve, but further reforms are still needed. A new report into the spending of the largest teachers union in the state shows the majority of the money didn't go toward representing local teachers.
2: The report was done by Miley Smith of the Illinois Policy Institute and shows how the Illinois Education Association spent its funds in 2020. According to Smith, most of the teachers' money from union dues is not spent on the teachers. It doesn't stay with you know, their local school district union. Instead, it is passed up the chain Smith also said that because of their money being spent somewhere else, teachers deserve to know where. Because most of that money is passed up the chain to IEA, teachers have a right to know how those union affiliates are spending their money. The Illinois Education Association spent over $77 million in 2020, with only 13% going towards representing teachers. I'm Andrew Hensel.
0: STATE OFFICIALS ARE PUSHING FOR REFORMS IN THE ILLINOIS NURSING HOME INDUSTRY. THE DEPARTMENT OF HEALTH CARE AND FAMILY SERVICES HAS ISSUED RECOMMENDATIONS FOR NURSING HOME PAYMENT REFORM. AT A HOUSE SUBJECT MATTER HEARING WEDNESDAY, HFS MEDICAID ADMINISTRATOR KELLY CUNNINGHAM SAID THE DEPARTMENT IS HOPEFUL LAWMAKERS CAN AUTHORIZE A PATIENT-DRIVEN PAYMENT MODEL BY JANUARY. THE ISSUES WE ARE DEALING WITH ARE URGENT, CONTINUATION OF THE STATUS QUO IS NOT ACCEPTABLE, And we must hold long-term care providers across Illinois to a higher standard. Deputy Director Andy Ellison said the industry must also address the workers' shortage crisis. And one of the ways to
2: do that is to make it more of a profession, to give it a pay scale, to allow for promotion, to provide a payoff to staying with it.
0: Compared with other states, Illinois consistently ranks last in terms of nursing home staffing. There is a bipartisan call for hearings on the forecast that Illinoisans could be paying hundreds more to heat their houses this winter. The Citizens Utility Board, a non watchdog group, said natural gas prices are skyrocketing due to out-of-control utility spending. Senator Sue Rezin is a top-ranking Republican on the Senate's Energy Committee.
2: It's important to understand why we have the high heating bills and also to see if there's anything that the legislature can do
0: to lessen the impact on the ratepayers. Last winter, many Illinois communities dealt with massive natural gas bills, some shooting up over 7,000 percent. Jeff Kaufman, the mayor of Morton, blame the gas companies. Our February bill for gas, which we are currently estimating to be $4.6 million, and $3.5 million of that is, we believe, due to the price gouging. State Senate President Don Harmon has endorsed the idea of hearings on the matter. Those are the top stories of the week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in focus, commentary from Chris Krug and Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by the Center I'm Kevin Dustler.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Illinois in Focus Podcasts, the Crosstalk segment, commentary powered by the Center Square. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square, headquartered right here in Illinois, joined by our Illinois editor. Brett Rowland subbing in for Dan McHale today. Brett, what's cooking?
3: Not too much. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Chris.
1: Well, I appreciate you coming on. Hey, there's a interesting um, uh, sort of intersection of, of stories uh, around the right of conscience law. The, um, the, the state has had this law in effect for, for quite some time. I mean, going back into, I believe, that it was the 1990s, um it has come back around during covid where people are saying that um that their personal rights to say no to uh, a vaccine mandate would uh trump any law that would suggest otherwise um why don't we set that first and where the, where the news is around that, because there's some pushing um, going on there with regard to the Pritzker administration, um, stating that that is a law that was never designed for the general public, but a law that was designed for healthcare providers. Uh, and then let's talk about what's going on in Kankakee, where healthcare providers who um, you know are, who are acknowledging the law, um, and refusing to get vaccinated um, for religious reasons, legitimate religious reasons, um, have been um, have been separated involuntarily from uh, from the, their company. But let's start with let's start with the right of conscience law uh, as it pertains to uh, to the state and uh, Governor Pritzker and what he has to say about it.
3: Okay, so this is this is a law you you're right from 1998. Uh it's the Healthcare Right of Conscience Act. It essentially bans discrimination against um people because they refuse to receive or participate in any sort of healthcare services contrary to their their conscious, conscience beliefs. So, um this has kind of been raised in a couple um lawsuits as a possible uh, uh pushback to to Pritzker's executive order mandating vaccines for frontline and state employees, healthcare workers and college students. The the real interesting part about this is that uh, Pritzker now wants to change that 1998 law um, because it looks like it's gained traction or or at least some sort of foothold in some of these lawsuits. So Pritzker says that uh, through a spokesperson that, that, you know, the act was never meant to uh, allow people to avoid public health guidance during a global pandemic. But, he wants to change that law now because it's being, uh, as he says, misinterpreted by fringe elements. Um, I'm not sure that that's the case, Chris. And, and uh, what are you thinking about this?
1: Well, I'm not sure that it's being misinterpreted by anybody. I mean, the the, the law is the law, right? I mean, it, it bans discrimination. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, if it, it really becomes a matter of, of personal conscience, so, I mean, if um, people who are religious are fringe, uh, that's scary that, that the governor would view it that way. Um, we have not heard or reported on widespread usage uh, of, of this uh, particular uh, law where people are saying, "Oop, not getting vaxxed because of the 98 Health Care or health right of conscious act. Um, but because it is law, uh, those who have a legitimate claim, um, for religious exemption are calling on that or calling that out, I should say. And, um, now the governor seems like he wants to take it away from him. So if, if, if that were to be the case, how would that be done um, I know that there's this, you know, there's been sort of uh, bubbling underneath about uh, this coming up at the uh, veto session, but um, I mean, I would think it'd be kind of interesting or dang- dangerous on some level to rewrite a law like this to make it uh, fit a circumstance such as a pandemic.
3: Right. I I think that there's some there could be some real issues with that, um, but it, and, and which is one of the reasons why I think the veto session uh, coming up, I think next week, is, uh, could be really interesting. We'll have to wait and sort of see where that goes. But it has been raised in a couple of lawsuits and it was most recently raised um, in in a lawsuit by um, Liberty Justice Center. And, and that case is gonna be particularly interesting, I think. So let's talk about that. So there
1: are six nurses who are employed by Riverside Healthcare in Kankakee um, who are refusing to be vaccinated and they are impl- they are imploring um you know the, the court to look at the health right of conscience act and to, to rule in in their favor to prevent them from a having to get vaccinated uh or b losing their jobs as a consequence for refusing to get vaccinated um so why don't you give us an update on this, this, this is this filing um, is under ne- Neely Panazzo's name. She is a nurse practitioner uh, from Kankakee. so it would be Panazzo um, versus Riverside Healthcare is the case. If people
3: want to look it up and and read a little bit more about it, so this was just filed last night, I believe. Um, and yep, it, it, you got six nurses who. Say for, for religious reasons, they did not want to get the vaccine. Um, they had uh, sought an exemption from the healthcare system, uh, but uh, according to their attorneys, the, all, all there was a blanket rejection of any and all exemption requests, um, which they say is a violation of this Illinois uh, healthcare right of conscience act from 1998. So this, I think, will be one of the first real big tests uh, of of this healthcare right of conscience act and, and how it might stand up during the pandemic. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see the, the, these nurses are apparently, um, religious and, 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 they firmly believe in what they believe. And, and, and that's not the issue. Um, the issue is, is the mandate and, and the healthcare system doesn't see a way around that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and the filing says that, that uh, and, and, you know, just to, for the benefit of the time context, uh, we're uh, taping Illinois in Focus this week. It's, thir- it's Thursday morning on uh, October 14th. So, you know, just to give you an idea of sort of, you know, the, um, just where we are uh, on the timeline right now. They the filing from uh, Liberty Justice Center, um, it, you know, included like a, an executive summary Uh, That said, this this was actually that this law was put into place in 1977 to protect physicians, pharmacists, and other healthcare providers. I believe it was updated in 1998. Um, But so this is this this law has been on the books uh, for what would that be? 44 years, long time. So we'll have to see what comes of this. I think it's an it's this is an interesting inflection point. We have largely been spared you know uh, delta you know here in illinois uh, the the vast majority of of uh, uh, outbreaks and and uh, and cases uh, the vast majority of which um uh you know occurred in the summer in uh, southern states so we'll have to see you know what's uh kind of what's next for us here in illinois um fascinating though that the the you know, with case numbers being what they are in, in Illinois, that now would be the time that this particular story would be coming to a head. So I I just find the timing of that to be uh, somewhat curious.
3: Right. And and you're right, Chris, it it was filed back in 1977, and then it was amended in 1998. Um, So it has been on the books for a long time. And, and, and it looks like this was largely um, f- first came about in response to uh, concerns about uh, healthcare providers being having or being made to perform abortions um, against their religious beliefs. So that may be where it started. But it does seem to provide um, protection for 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 people who don't want to engage in in, in some sort of activity uh, related to their health. Yeah. Uh, There's a new report
1: out and this. This came from the Illinois Policy Institute um, that uh, talks about how the Illinois Education Association spent its funds in 2020. Uh, Interesting. I mean, the, the majority of the spend did not go toward representing local teachers. Where did it go? (laughs)
3: that's the interesting part. Most of it gets kicked up the ladder um, according to this report. Uh, So it goes to like a state organization and then up to national organizations who use it for a variety of things, including lobbying. Um, But uh, the union dues that the the local folks are staying often aren't, don't remain local. Um, They're getting kicked up and, 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 and used for other purposes but but not local representation not local bargaining uh th- things like that uh you know as a small fraction of what they're spending about 13 percent um which if you pay if you're paying dues in these unions i i think that you would have some questions about that
1: well i i'm not sure that a, a lot of people ask questions about where their union dues go um and um i mean this is this is I mean, this is an it's an interesting study. Thirteen percent spent actually in the district, and eighty-seven percent spent elsewhere on uh lobbying, overhead, and and administration. Um, it's another interesting factoid out of there. The IEA also reported, and this is directly from uh from our story from this week, the IEA also reported spending fourteen point eight million dollars for officer and employee salaries for tasks unrelated to representational activities in 2020. That number is 52% higher than the amount spent on representing teachers.
3: Chris, I,
1: I think it's kind of articulating the business of unions right there, public sector unions anyway
3: and i think that you're 100% right a lot of people don't they they you know the the union dues come directly out of their paycheck they probably don't think about it very often but um you know after the janus decision the, the supreme court uh janus decision i think that a few more people are starting to think about where that money goes and whether they want to pay that that money um for for public sector unions so it, it's interesting
1: yeah so there's a, you know, shifting gears just here a little bit, you know, talk about like the, you know, the pandemic and and uh, recovery, which I think is on a lot of people's minds, um, you know, and, and uh, I want to get into the supply chain there because I mean, that's that's now become a, you know, a, a factor that's being discussed. It's been a factor all along, but it's has now it is a factor that is being discussed. So um, there's a study that just came out this past week from Money Geek that's uh, titled American Employment and the Pandemic, COVID-19 Cases and Job Recovery by State and Political Affiliation. And that that story found that there are 14 states that have fully recovered at job levels that are above those from February, 2020. And that was a month before the WHO, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. Um, there are 36 states that are below their pre-pandemic um, economic situation with regard to jobs. and Illinois is one of them. So if you could, Brett, break the Illinois part of this out for us and uh, help me understand what's what's going on here. Um, I think it's it's apparent to most people around the state of Illinois that um, uh, that there are jobs that are available. Uh, I mean, it's, you cannot drive down the street without seeing a help wanted sign somewhere. Uh, we're seeing and hearing from, uh, uh, consumers and business owners alike, you know, that, that, the their stores are understaffed and, um, service in particular and in service focused businesses are really struggling simply to have enough people to do the work that needs to be done. Uh, but help us to dial in and understand what's uh, what's going on in this study and how that pertains to Illinois.
3: So money geek uh, ran these numbers and they found that um, about uh, Illinois had recovered about 78% of the jobs that it lost. Um, it, and, and then they ranked it nationally as about 34th. So um, a lot of States though have, have fully recovered. So like Missouri, Wisconsin and 12 other States are hundred percent of those lost jobs are back. Illinois, Seventy-eight percent. So, we've seen this before, Chris. We we saw it during the Great Recession, and, and we've seen it throughout the pandemic. Is Illinois really lags um, the the national uh, unemployment rates? Uh, um, and and we've seen that throughout, and, and I'm guessing we'll continue to see that. But I think what's really been debated here is why why Illinois lags so before so far behind the rest of the nation, including neighboring states in the Midwest. Mhm. Um I could hazard some guesses on that guesses on that but I would say that that some of the the employment conditions that we've set up in Illinois and some of the restrictions and regulations we've put on businesses have made it a lot more difficult for us to recover jobs than other states. Um and I think that that was true pre-pandemic too. Uh, I think post-pandemic uh, or or amid the pandemic we've seen uh you know some of the other states w- uh, quickly ended, uh, the enhanced unemployment benefits from the federal government, that, that additional $300 a week that, that many said was keeping people from the workforce. Illinois didn't do that. Um, so these may be consequences of, of those policy decisions. hmm
1: So, I mean, just, uh, you know, for some context, Illinois is down about a quarter million jobs it's 243,000 fewer jobs now. Uh, then before the pandemic began, um, across the border in Missouri, they are net up 6,500 jobs. Kind of interesting. Wisconsin is net up 73,500 jobs.
3: Yeah, those are, those are big numbers and it shows just how different, you know, and, and, and Chris, I know your house is probably about an hour from the, the Wisconsin border. But it shows you just how how different these states can be, e- even though they're so close. It's fascinating stuff. And
1: so, you know, one of the par- points of discussion that you know that that um, that's come up in the in the past week, you know, news wise, is um, is supply chain. Um, as if this is a new issue. I mean, the supply chain has has been uh, badly badly affected since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, you know, the United States was not the only place that shut business down uh, and then of, of course, you know, one of the, the biggest, you know, I wouldn't call it the brightest example because it's certainly not a bright spot, but, you know, the uh, uh, the, the chip manufacturers in Asia, uh, you know, have been set back in a, in a significant way, not only by the pandemic, but also by uh, natural disaster, I a mean, fire ripped through, you know, one of the largest chip makers in the world, just hamstrung the auto industry here in the United States considerably um what's the, what if any relationship is there between supply chain and um and employment in the united states and, and specifically employment in, in illinois are you are you you or the team from the center square in illinois picking up anything on that
3: we've looked into this a little bit we haven't written a, a whole lot about this in illinois yet but um it is an issue uh, you know biden earlier this week uh met with with ceos from the private sector to, to try to um get get through some of these uh supply chain issues but essentially if you don't have the parts or supplies you need for your business you you know your business is not running at 100 percent capacity you're going to either have to to make layoffs or or do less business or or serve fewer people so it's kind of one of these functions of the economy half open half not um and, and i think that we're going to continue to see issues with it uh for me uh w- with with two little kids i mean i I think I'll probably order Christmas presents early, uh, but I, I think that there's gonna be uh, wider impacts or greater impacts than just me having to order Christmas presents early.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and I think that, you know, most Illinoisans are already, you know, already seeing the, you know, the impacts of, uh, of supply chain and, and uh, supply chain problems. Um, that plus, you know, inflation uh, overall uh, supply chain being a contributing factor, uh, to inflation, but not, uh, not the, the, you know, sole factor fascinating. I mean, uh, I saw bacon prices were up 20%, uh, in a month's time. And, um, yeah, I mean, we didn't have, we didn't have this on the schedule. It's a, a little bit sort of outside of, of the, the conversation that we're having, but, you know, it was just this week that it was announced that social security will have its largest, uh, ever. Year-over-year year increase, um, which I think puts a hole in the idea that this inflation is transitory, um, at least to the degree that it had been previously explained. the The Biden administration has a lot on its hands right now, and um, uh, you know, managing the supply chain issue is 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 is, is uh, absolutely uh, one of them. The idea of opening up the porch 24 seven, um, that we've arrived at that now, uh, fascinating, um, a, as if this was not, you know, a solution that could have been had much sooner, you know, it's been months since there have been that many, uh, container ships waiting, uh, in the harbors outside of long beach and, and the port of Los Angeles. And that we're just kind of getting to this, uh, now the, the, the. The best way to resolve this would be to make more of the stuff that you need to make stuff and then to make that stuff in the United States. And um, uh, this administration has not um, really, you know, sort of waved a flag over that idea until now. So we shall see. Hey, Brett, one last thing I wanted to talk to you about. Um, legislative maps here in Illinois, That they just very quickly to summarize Governor J.B. Pritzker ran on a promise that you know that there would be fair maps. Um, the maps have come out. The, um, the Republicans were up in arms. They said these maps are unfair. Um, you know, some have said that Pritzker has gone back on his pledge for fair maps. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of um, uh, defense uh, against that all- of that allegation um, by the by by the Pritzker team, um, but. Um, uh, the the those who uh, who oppose the maps that that list continues to grow. The Illinois African Americans for Equitable Redistricting has filed a complaint with the Department of Justice to ensure that the maps optimize opportunities for minority voters. Um, their complaint is that the percentage or the number I should say the number of black majority districts is being shrunken again so what's the deal with this story and uh what can you tell us
3: well you're very right and pritzker ran on a on a, a campaign promise to to uh, veto any uh you know gerrymandered or unfair maps he uh has had two opportunities to, to fulfill that campaign pledge he's decided that he would not do that twice now um. So he's he's essentially saying, "I'm for gerrymandered maps. You know, I, I'm not going to change anything. We don't need an independent commission, even though that's what he promised voters." But which is probably frustrating to a lot of people. But um, you got to think that that you know, black those people, I mean, those,
1: those people, commission. those people who you know who advocate for the for you know for the truth. I mean, I think <laughs> they'd be they'd probably be upset about that. I mean, if if you're promised something. And uh, the exact opposite happens. I would imagine that probably is irritating. It's never happened to me before, Brett. But I mean, I'm just I'm just going out on a limb and
3: guessing that that would be irritating. Uh, <laughs> we know Illinois politicians have a tendency to overpromise, uh, but uh, Pritzker, for the most part, has delivered on some of his promises. Now, whether you agree with with what those promises and what his priorities were in the first place is another matter. But he has, for the most part, kept his word on a lot of things. But on this one, no not even close they didn't even try um and and as a result uh, you've got a lot of people who are upset including uh this group and they've essentially said that you know we we have we we had 16 majority black districts in in 2011 there's going to be eight in 2021 Mm -hmm. and there were um that's that's for black uh representative districts for for the senate it's going to be cut from eight to four so uh, I mean when when you look at these numbers and when you look at the maps you, you got to think that you know th- there's some issues here people are upset um and and it's not it's not just uh republicans who who didn't really have a seat at the table here uh but but it's it's minority groups in, in, including uh latinos and and, and blacks mm-hmm. well ha- have latinos uh, spoken up um regarding this as well yes they filed a lawsuit uh joining I believe, or in a case that was essentially lumped with the Republican lawsuit over over the maps.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So that would be like the Mexican American Legal Defense and Education Fund. Yes. Okay. Um, and there that suit. Um, the the crux of that was that the maps were unconstitutional because they were based on population estimates. And this has been one of the. I think this has been the the outcry all along, right? I mean, is it the that the the legislative maps that, you know, that that Illinois is, is going with are maps that were, you know, based on census numbers before they were complete. The census is now complete. We have a much better idea of where the people are, but the maps are, you know, I guess ultimately where they wanted them to be. And by they, I mean, Governor Pritzker and the Democrats.
3: Right. This is a process that they've controlled from the beginning. Um, they they used um, incorrect or, or not the most accurate census data to draw the maps before the June 30th deadline. Then they got the real data and they had to redo it. Um, so, but but still, what what they've done is they haven't made um, they certainly haven't you know done this in any sort of independent way. And, and you've got a lot of people who are upset about it now. -hmm yeah
1: yeah I I, I think it, it makes sense I mean it makes sense um it would almost seem like the maps are drawn to uh ensure an outcome <laughs>
3: I absolutely I, mean, it, it, I said almost
1: it almost seems as if the maps are drawn to create an outcome
3: Right, and, and we've seen this in other states, and the consequences of this can be devastating for voters, for states, for, for, uh, for, for, for the democratic process, really, when you have politicians who are picking who they want in their voting districts, and then, you know, to ensure uh, party ma- majorities, and then all of a sudden voters have no say, and that's, this is why a lot of people are frustrated with the electoral process throughout the country at almost every level, is they don't feel like their vote matters. And it's because of things like this. These are, this is the reason. Uh, it's the gerrymandering, the, the the playing with the maps, the, the, you know, putting who you want in your district rather than listening to the voters in your district. Yeah, without a doubt.
1: Um, good summary. Brett, always terrific to catch up with you. I appreciate you um, coming on. Um, any uh, final thought, parting shot?
3: Um, I'm just thanks for having me on. Uh, as I always like to be here, um, I'm very interested in what's going to happen in veto session in Illinois, um, and, and and to see how that uh, shapes up in the next couple uh, days and, and weeks, and then we'll we'll go from there. Um, look forward to the next time I'm on.
1: Yeah, it's terrific. I look forward to seeing what what uh, the team from the Center Square produces next week during veto session. So for Brett Rowland, this has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to the Illinois in Focus podcast. Now over to Kevin Bessler for a look at what the Center Square will be working on next week.
0: Next week, the fall veto session takes place as lawmakers return to Springfield. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Kevin Bessler.